We're up to chapter 3, Mishnah 9. Rabbi Yaakov Omer, Rabbi Yaakov says, HaMahalach Baderach Vashona. If someone is walking on the road and studying Torah, of course, a very commendable activity, and he stops his study, he interrupts his review, and he exclaims, How beautiful is this tree? And how beautiful is this field? It is considered for him by scripture as if he bears guilt for his soul. If someone is in the middle of studying Torah and they interrupt it to go talk about the foliage, about the brushery, about the trees, about the fields, that's something which is terrible. It's so severe. You're guilty for your life. Now, the simple understanding for this is that, well, disruptions of Torah are bad. If you're doing something which is Torah, you're connecting to the will of God. It's the greatest thing that a human could possibly do whilst on this earth. And you're interrupting it with nonsense. Well, then that's that's a problem. And that's bad. Now, the commentaries note that there's two additional points that are being conveyed. Number one, someone's traveling. And they're studying. Well, that seems like it's extra credit. You know, they're traveling. This is not my daily schedule. This is not my daily dose, my daily quota of Torah study. This is something I'm doing out of the goodness of my own heart. And therefore, I should have a little bit more flexibility in how many interruptions I'm allowed to make. That's number one. Still, the Mishnah tells us that no, you can't make any interruptions. In addition, what what sort of interruptions is this? Is he talking about the game? Is he talking about politics? Is he talking about the television shows that he's watching? No. He's talking about the trees and the fields. What this person is trying to do is trying to appreciate the beauty of God's handiwork. If there's any good interruption, it will be this kind of interruption. You're able to appreciate the world that the Almighty gives for us, an amazing thing. Yet nonetheless, despite the fact that this is not the most, I would say, the most designated time for Torah study, and therefore the Torah study is something which is more commendable, you would think you have more latitude. B, this is a kind of disruption which doesn't seem to be so egregious. Still, we're told very severely, very harshly, that it does not override Torah. And you're, in fact, bearing guilt for your soul. You're endangering your life. Why are you endangering your life? So Rashi tells us that when someone is studying Torah, he is impervious to the Satan, to the angel of death. In fact, there's all these amazing stories in the Talmud. King David, for example, God told him, I'm not going to tell you how you'll die or when you'll die, but I'll tell you which day of the week you'll die on. You're going to die on Shabbos. So David says, great, I know how to avoid death. I'm just going to study Torah the entire Shabbos, every Shabbos, and cover my bases. And then during the week, you drive it like an animal because you know, you know, you're right. You know that you're you're safe, right? Hey, you can cross the highway, no problem. But on Shabbos, you study Torah the whole Shabbos because now you know that the angel of death can can get at you. And then how indeed did the angel of death indeed get at him? So there's a few stories about this in the Talmud. The angel of death started swaying trees in the back back in the backyard. So David's like, I'm not, I'm not falling for that. I'm not falling for that. I'm not listening. I don't know. I'm studying. I'm not interrupting myself for a second. But I'm going to go check out what's going on there. 
David starts walking down the steps to go to his backyard to see what's going on, and the angel pulls away one of the steps. So he trips and falls and loses his train of thought and stops contrary Torah and is vulnerable and pulls away his soul. That's what the Talmud tells us. But the idea is that when someone is immersed in Torah study, that creates a certain shield for them. Whereas when they stop studying, then they are vulnerable. And when they're vulnerable, it's possible that bad things can happen to them. And therefore, that's how Rashi understands what this means. When someone's studying Torah and they, and they stop, maybe not the worst thing in the world, but you're, you may bear guilt for your soul because you may indeed leave yourself vulnerable to, to dying. Now, this subject expands to cover a, a general idea called bitul Torah, which means neglect or avoidance or interrupting Torah study. And there's a lot of very scary teachings in the Talmud about how severe that is, how harsh it is. And just like we see here in the Mishnah, if we were to classify the interruptions of Torah study, we would say this is the best example of it. Because the Torah study, like, like for those reasons that we said, the Torah study is not as uh, established and the interruption is not so bad. All kinds of reasons that we would think this is not, this is the best kind of interruption. And yet we're told you're liable with your life. So there's other examples here that demonstrate that there's a very harsh punishment or very uh, severe treatment of someone who interrupts the Torah study. So for example, the Talmud tells us the book of Orizor, page 3b, uh, a little bit of a scary thing. Actually, very scary, terrifying. Rabbi Levi says, someone who interrupts their Torah study and starts talking about nonsense, they feed them gachale resamim, which means coals of a certain kind of wood, which means that you get to heaven, that's the punishment. You get fed hot, fiery coals. Now, what this means, I don't know, but it is in the Talmud. So it definitely means... If we could say anything, it means that, it, that the Talmud views this as very, very severely not to interrupt Torah study. And I think this is even more terrifying because it's more, it's more vivid. It's more explicit than being told, oh, you're liable with your soul. Okay. We can, you know, that's, that, that, that's kind of like, uh, that's very par. Uh, whereas when someone is told exactly what you're going to be fed in heaven, then, uh, it seems a little scary. But anyhow, that's just, uh, a sampling. I'm going to give you some more examples of, uh, of the severity that is accorded by our sages in the Talmud towards interrupting Torah study. So another uh, example here is the Midrash. The Midrash says that, well, what's the greatest mitzvah? The greatest mitzvah of them all, of course, is Torah study. And the most reward for any mitzvah is the mitzvah reward given for Torah study. Well, what has to be balanced with that? The exact parallel to that is the punishment, so to speak, for Neglecting Torah study has to be also the greatest. The Talmud tells us in the book of Shabbos, page 119, Jerusalem was only destroyed because of the sin of neglect of Torah study. And the Goan of Vilna, he explains that every single word of Torah study is considered its own mitzvah. But because Torah study is equal to all 613 mitzvahs combined. So every single word of Torah study equals 613 separate mitzvahs. So if someone studies an entire parsha 
it's got a hundred verses. Each one of those verses has, I don't know, 10 words, maybe on average. So it's a thousand words of Torah. You multiply that times 613, 613,000 mitzvos. Each one of those mitzvos is its own angel that you're creating with your Torah study in an incredible way. Like it's just a way to scale spirituality on a level that we can't fathom. That's only one parsha. And you read Rashi. That's also considered part of Torah. That's became part of the corpus of Torah. You study one page of Talmud. There's, I don't know, 300 words, 400 words. Unbelievable. The opportunity is so great. Therefore, what's equal to that is the flip side, so to speak, which is neglect of Torah study or worse, when someone is in the middle of doing Torah study and they stop and interrupt it for something else. And then there's the Midrash, a very actually, a very uh, inspiring Midrash that talks about Moses in heaven for the 40 days to get the Torah. So the Torah tells us, Moshe testifies uh, three times, in fact, in the Torah, that for 40 days he didn't eat nor drink. The Midrash adds that he didn't sleep. And the Midrash explains an example of a king who told one of his friends, brought him with him to his um, storage houses of gold and silver, and says, whatever you want to do, you can take. As much as you want. He was so delighted, he was so excited to go stockpile as much as he can, he didn't eat, he didn't drink, he was tired, but how can I go to sleep when there's such an amazing opportunity? Obviously, the, 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 the complete opposite of this is the most fake example of this kind of excitement is people playing video games. There's been people who have been played video games to death because they literally died of starvation and they weren't even aware of it because they were so consumed with the love of the video game. And there was a woman who was uh, arrested because she didn't feed her kid and the kid died. Terrible. She was busy playing video games for 25 hours. The kid, little baby died. It's te- terrible because someone gets so consumed, so addicted, they can't help, th- they can't help themselves. And they just, they, they, they can't stop for anything else. They have to just sit there and, uh, or binging or whatever. I think video games are more addicting than, than binge watching. But it's the same kind of thing where people just, they just sit and they just play and they just engage for hours and hours and hours and they don't even notice that they're hungry. And here Moshe is doing this for Torah. He's, he's going for 40 days and he's so excited. He, he tries to, he's, maybe he was tired, but if I go to sleep, I may lose out. And therefore, he didn't go to sleep for 40 days. And of course, he helps be in heaven. You get the uh, spiritual IV to give you that strength to be able to, 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 to go through that. And, uh, one final story from the Chafetz Chaim. The Chafetz Chaim gives an example, a mushal, a parable of a guy who went on a business trip. He was poor and he went on a business trip. And the place he was going to, very far away, very far away country. But there, gold, silver, jewels, diamonds, precious gems were plentiful. The plan was to make the long trip, to spend some time there and to come back and to feed his family with all that. So he makes the long trip. And finally he gets there after a harrowing journey. And it's amazing. Like everywhere you go, you see diamonds and jewels and pearls and gold. This is unbelievable. 
and he knows he has like a year until the ship leaves, goes back home. So he quickly gets the biggest bag he can find and starts filling them up. And then some guy walks over to him and starts laughing. What are you doing? Why are you filling up with this trash? You, like you're picking up dirt from the floor. It's trash. It's junk. Why would you store it in bags? You're crazy. Like what we really value here is something else. And he shows him like, we, you know, we really like the, the, what's really rare here is like the pits of dried fruits. That's what matters here. And like, he's like, yeah, you're right. And he takes his bag and empties them out and tries to look for those pits. And he spends the whole time looking for those pits. And then it's a year later and he's heading back to his family. And he's got bags full of those pits that he picked up. And he gets there and he's like, his wife is like, I can't, I missed you so much. And goes through the whole, the whole deal. I brought you all this. Like, Amazing. Let, open it. She's like, what is this? This is disgusting. Well, why do I need this? It's, he's like, well, they told me that this is what is, that's what's important there. That's what I got. He's like, no, 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 that's not what I want. So she shakes out the whole thing and the bottom, she finds one, one diamond. Whoa, you got one. And she shakes out all his clothing. She finds like two or three or four, you know. Like at least, at least he got that when he was in that faraway place. That's the parable. Of course, the explanation of the parables is simple. You know, we, our home is, is really in the heavenly realm. And we're sent here because here is a land full of silver, gold, diamonds, and jewels. And what's that? that those were the mitzvahs. That's Torah. But we get here, I was like, what are you doing? You're wasting your time. There's all kinds of other things that really matter here. So we empty out our bag and we try to fill up those things. And we come back to heaven, we come back home, and all we have is maybe a little bit, you know, the things that got caught up in our, in our handcuffs, a little bit of here, a little bit there, and we go back home and the people are like looking at us, what, what did you do there? It was available in every corner. There was piles and piles of them and you didn't take any of it? You're crazy. That's the example that he gives us about Torah study. Like, 613,000 mitzvos in every parsha that we read. It's just incredibly valuable. That's the only thing that matters when you get to heaven. And what do we do? What do we do here? We like to argue about politics. We like to argue, we like to do, argue about sports. We like to do all kinds of other things, all kinds of other pursuits, and to neglect the things that really matter. Now, as, uh, just to be clear, that's all by design. If everyone had easy access to the diamonds and everyone had the same eager desire for the diamonds, well, then there would be no free will. and the Diamonds wouldn't be valuable then. It's, o- it's only valuable specifically because people are repelling us from it. Our Yetzirah is pushing us away from it. There is resistance, so to speak, and we kind of get acculturated to the mindset of this world – to realize or to think, erroneously of course, that other things really matter. And of course, the, the Torah is trying to kind of remind you, don't forget, like don't forget where you came from, your homeland, your soul, where does it come from? Where is it going back to? It's the same place. Why did you come here? What was the goal? What was the mission? The mission was to go back and scoop up the diamonds. And of course, that's what we, we where it's filling. We try to we wrap the mission around our hearts and we put a mission in every door. That's what we do. We read from the mission every Shabbos and twice during the week. And we pray every day. And all those are reminders to us about what really matters. But of course, you know, there's a lot that it needs to penetrate for us to start living by those, those principles. But that's the idea. And that's why a Torah study is so, is so valuable. And also why the flip side, why someone neglecting to do that, it's, it's so asinine. And again, punishment is always a reflection of 
of what the deed specifically was. It's not, it's not, means when someone had an opportunity and missed that on the opportunity and then they realize that, if someone like takes a winning lottery ticket and shreds it, like that in itself is the punishment, right? You don't need to smack them. Like they, 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 they themselves feel terrible because of the lack of opportunity. That's the punishment. And that's why the punishment is so severe. Because we, we, the punishment is we finally realize what we had, how easy it was, and how we floundered so terribly. That in itself is a punishment. And that's why it's the worst punishment because it is indeed something which is so easy, so present, everywhere ubiquitous. There's opportunities to do mitzvos. We can do millions of them a day and we tend to ignore them. And that's why. That's what he's telling us. He's not trying to scare us. You're liable with your life. He's trying to get our attention. He's trying to shake us out of our stupor to give us some sobriety and realize what are we here for? Where did we come from? Where are we going back to? What's our mission on this earth, on the in this land? We're here for a purpose. Don't forget about that. And shake us awake. Let's start stooping some of those diamonds.